Thank you for listening to the First Baptist Church podcast. If you would like more information about our church, please visit www.fbcottawa.org. Questions. So many questions I have related to the reading of the scriptures this morning. Questions maybe like Jesus had when he returns, will he find us expecting his return? Will he find us working? Will he find us doing the work of the kingdom? Will he find us acting like he taught us to act? Will he find us being apprentices? Questions. Or, or questions like when, I, when you think about the prophet Isaiah and what was being read from Isaiah this morning where God is saying, I really don't like your gatherings. So questions. Does God like church? Would, does God go to church? Would God come to, would Jesus show up in church? Does God even like what we do? So many questions. Like I, I struggle with the questions because if you read, read Isaiah as was read before, I mean, it was the word of the Lord. And by the way, it, as soon as you hear in the prophets, hear Sodom, hear Gomorrah, we hear one thing, but they would interpret through the lens of Ezekiel, and that was a lack of hospitality to the poor and needy among them. Ezekiel 16, 49 makes it pretty plain that that was the, that was the sin that the prophets saw in Sodom and Gomorrah. We make it something else. Listen, you rulers, you multitude. What, what to me is a multitude of your sacrifices? What to me is, is the offering of rams and the fat of fed beasts? I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of rams or of goats. When you come to me before me, who ask me this from your hand, trample my courts no more, bringing offerings is futile. Like, wait, don't take that literal. And if we were to put those verses from Isaiah in our, our, contact, our, our context, it would be like, well, what, is the, what are the songs? I mean, the songs you sing and, and, and the piano and the, and the vocals and the organ, I mean, don't bring that before me. Or, or the prayers that you pray, or you're praying the Lord's Prayer week after week, or you're doing the church calendar. Oh, great, Pastor. You're doing Epiphany, and you're doing, you're doing Advent, and you're teaching about the church year, and you're trying to follow the lectionary. Big deal. Don't bring that stuff before me. Is that what God is really saying? Does God not care that we are trying to do things to, to make the story be understood and told? Because it seems like God has some pretty harsh words for all of the worship acts and activities in Isaiah. And if you think that Isaiah is an isolated incident, well, check out what Amos says. Amos in chapter 5 says, I hate, I despise the word of the Lord. I hate, I despise your festivals. I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the offerings of well-being of your fatted animals I will not look upon. Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the melody of your harps. God, what is the deal? I mean, do you not like church? We've got sanctuaries built all over the world. They're, one of the great mission endeavors is to build new churches and to plant new churches. I mean, God, what is the deal? Do you not like what we do? So many questions. So many questions. And if you think Isaiah and, and Amos are, 
are alone. You can just continue to read the prophets over and over again. Even, even Micah is struggling with, with what to do. Shall I give the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? Shall, with what shall I come before the Lord with 10,000 rivers of oil? How can I come before him? And God says, none of that. None of that. And you could keep going through the prophetic literature and find over and over again where God is saying, I don't like what you do. Check out Isaiah 58 sometime. We could go back and forth. Like, it's not just you could preach a whole sermon on this. You could teach a whole class for a whole semester on the prophetic literature and what the prophets are trying to say to bring renewal to God's people that makes it sound like their religious acts and activities mean very little to God. But is that really the case? Is that really the case? Does it matter? Of course it matters. But what is it that God is looking for? What's God looking for? Well, in, in Isaiah, he's, he's looking for more. In Amos, he's looking for more. In, in Micah, he's looking for more. And certainly Jesus is looking for more. He's looking for justice to roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. He's have already shown you, O oh man, what is good, to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. He's already shown us that he wants us to care for the stranger, the orphan, the widow among us, the vulnerable. He's told us over and over again to love God and love our neighbors as ourselves. So something about what we do in here has to affect what's in here and what goes on out there. Otherwise, God will have some pretty harsh words about what we do in here. If what we do in here is just for us, and the world remains the same, we may be the recipient of some of these harsh words. If what we do in here allows us to have, harbor the same attitudes and the same resentments and the same grudges and the same angers, or to carry the same wounding or to infect the world with the same wounding that we have, then God will have some harsh words for us. What we do in here is to transform us in heart and mind so that the world is a different place because we have become different people. Because we, we've encountered God most high. We have encountered Jesus face to face. We have become deeply formed followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus stands up in the synagogue in Luke 4 and he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's quoting from Isaiah the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach good news to the poor, recovery of sight to the blind, release for the prisoners, freedom for the oppressed. The year of the Lord's favor. Imagine if we took a little more literally the words that Jesus spoke as his mission statement. We said, it is our mission to announce the year of the Lord's favor, God's favor upon everyone. And God's favor is a transformative word. People change because they are loved, because they are favored. They don't change because we tell them to change. They don't change because we beat a Bible over their head and tell them the Bible says. They change because they encounter the transformative power of an eternally loving God who goes all the way to the cross and goes to the ends to say, I love you and you are forgiven. And in seeing the wounding of the world and the wounding of ourselves in the, in the person of Jesus Christ, we are transformed. The year of the Lord's favor, proclaiming good news. We're, let's be a good news people. Hmm? Let's be a good news people. Oh, there's plenty wrong, but there's plenty wrong in here, isn't there? There's plenty wrong with me, and I hate to say it, but there's plenty wrong with you, and there's plenty wrong with us. 
We are to be deeply formed followers of Jesus. Father Richard Rohr has said something like this. I've seen it several times where, where it says, only, only in America can you call yourself a Christian and still be hateful and racist and violent and militant. We have no such time for such foolishness anymore. We don't have time for such foolishness anymore. And it's not been that long ago, Rich Belodos in his book, Good, Beautiful, and Kind, in, in the second chapter, talks about a vignette that is reflecting really on, on just the dreadful history of race and racism and lynching in our country. And he tells a story of, of a mom, a going-to-church mom. She raises her kids. They go to church every Sunday. They, they are well-schooled in the Bible and, and, and seemingly a model citizen. And, and if somebody says, something negative. She says, oh no, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And she's got scripture memorized and the songs of the church memorized. And, but she's planning for a community event. You know, she liked to go to community events to support community events. And, and she went to church, but this community event, there were going to be thousands, maybe thousands of people there. And of course that community event was something that people were rallying together and gathering around. It was going to be the lynching of a young man by the last name of Washington about the year 1916. And how can this disconnect happen? Oh, that's, you say that's a long time ago. Well, we have disconnects still, don't we? Don't we still have disconnects? Where, where hearts and minds, like we're, we're here, like how can that happen? I believe those are the kinds of things that disconnects are what, what God is ranting about in these prophetic passages when we fail to be deeply formed so this morning i wanted to ask those questions and and maybe for us to reach a place with the holy spirit's help to be a bit convicted that we can't just sit it's it's certainly do we want to see the place full amen yeah, absolutely. Do we want to see a thriving First Baptist Church, Ottawa? Yes. Do we want to see this as a hub of activity on Sundays and all through the week? Yes. But we want to see a transformed Ottawa because the people, we are transformed people. So I wanted to spend a moment talking about some things we do in worship and painting a picture that are maybe a little bit beyond. A little bit beyond. And maybe cause us even next Sunday to pause at the beginning and to think a little bit more deeply. I want to remind you. I'm just going to remind you of some things. We have children who so worshipfully bring in the light of Christ. What does that mean? What does that mean? Depart from me the light of Christ? Is, is that what God is saying? No, he's saying remember that the light of Christ is being, you're being reminded that as the light of Christ is, is brought in and the candles are lit, that when there is darkness in the world, the light of Christ overcomes it. When there's, if you came in this morning a little bit dark, the light of Christ has entered your room. If you came in a little down, if you came in a little discouraged, the light of Christ is shining still. The light of Christ enters into the darkness of the world, into the darkness of our lives, and the light of Christ overcomes that darkness. The light of Christ is the light that shines in the darkness, and the darkness shall not overcome it. Discouraged by what's happening in the world, thinking that evil is having its way, the light of Christ has been brought in. 
discouraged by the depression that's going on in the loved one or maybe in yourself the light of christ has done come into the house okay the light of christ is here so we're not just doing something ceremonious we're not just doing something that's tradition we're doing something that that is meaningful that the light of christ overcomes darkness we've added an element the gospel procession and the gospels carried in and and there's a similarity there but but there may be kings and people who think they're kings just like in jesus day caesar thought he was king but as soon as jesus was was born there was a new king in town and herod he thought he was king too he thought he had a throne but he was threatened so when we carry in the gospel we're saying there's a new king in town there's a new lord in town and there is nobody that's going to rival the throne of king jesus who shows his co-suffering the power of co-suffering love on the cross like the gospel is brought in the other thing that we're saying when the gospel is held high is that is that Jesus helps us to understand all the rest of Scripture and really ourselves and the world and the mission that we're on like we are holding up the name and the person of Jesus above every name above all powers above all rulers above all authority like the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is held high to, to be the lens through which we understand everything everybody and every word of scripture I've maybe told the story before but but it's so when I first encountered the gospel being held high I had just had a painful conversation with with the church about how I believe that scripture is interpreted through the lens of Jesus we had a three-hour conversation we had a three-hour conversation about the scripture being interpreted through the lens of Jesus and then I went to a church where the gospel was held high and I knew what it meant I knew what it meant and I wept and wept and wept. I want to remind us of how what we're saying. And see, we're not just saying that so that we have a good feeling inside. We say that the light of Christ has entered, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is held high, so that when we go out there, we are a light-carrying people. We are a, a bringing the light of Christ to people. We are a Jesus-loving, holding Jesus high people. When we go out, we have been transformed by in here so that we can take the light of Christ, the person of Christ, with us. What happens even with the 112 kids and 80 adults and 44, 42, 44 haircuts? What happens just with those people if, if we are intentionally, even as they walk in, we don't have to say it, we are bearing the light of Christ to them. We are bearing the person of Jesus because we are a good news people. The other things we do in worship, and we, we sing songs. Some people love to sing songs. Some people, some people are like, ah, why do we sing so many songs? I don't know about here. I haven't, but, but, you know, some people like faster songs and slower songs. But we sing songs of praise because we are saying that no matter what is happening, God is still God. We sing songs of praise because the truth of who God is is not changed by what's happening in your world, in my world, or in the world. The truth of, of the resurrection, the truth of 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 God the truth of Jesus who came who lived was crucified died buried on the third day and raised on the third buried and raised on the third day the truth of Jesus does not change so we sing songs of praise much like much like the you know in days where there were slaves tragically in these United States 
things we still need to repent from and acknowledge and confess that it still has an impact but but slave worship they would sing and 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 sway because they say my earthly master may think they're in charge but i'm going to praise the lord because i know who's really in charge you see we sing songs and we sing songs of praise to remind us of the truth that god is on the throne we read lots of scripture because we want to we want to attune our story to god's story we we want to tune our story to god's story we we read lots of scripture in worship because because scripture is the foundation and the story of god is the story of creation and the story of the world and the story of humanity and the story of love and the story of redemption and the story of things being made new and the story of hope and the story of forgiveness like god's story is the story that forms us so we read lots of scripture and and certainly we we read from the gospel because if we don't read from the gospels then then we have a hard time understanding the rest of the story jesus is like the glasses for us blind folks <laughs> that helps us understand the rest of the story so those are just some of the things that we do and this morning we, we're going to have the lord's supper the Eucharist, communion, and, and that is a reminder of the love of Christ. It's a reminder of sacrifice. It's a reminder of forgiveness. It's a reminder of we're invited. It's a reminder we are invited to be at the table with Jesus in our fallen, broken, imperfect state. We are invited. We're invited to a meal that we can't afford. We're invited to a meal that's paid for. We're invited to a meal where we've got a reserved seat and we didn't even send in the RSVP form. We, we are invited to a table. We're invited to a place. So the things that we do are, are to remind us that we are, we are transformed so that we can be a transforming people. You see, the more we're transformed, the more the world can be transformed. And the more we see the brokenness in the world, the more we desire to be transformed. So sometimes the brokenness in the world is just a mirror to our own. So we need the light of Christ and the gospel held high and the song sung reverently or loud or both. We need moments of silence and contemplation and moments where we can hardly contain ourselves. We need moments when the tears leak out. And moments when those who tend to worship like this are tempted <laughs> to worship like this. And maybe those who tend to worship like this are like, oh, the awe of the Lord has me to be still. You see, the things that we do have power and meaning and it, in the gospel reading this morning from luke jesus has been talking about do not worry god's got you do not worry about your life and then he goes on and, and says do not be afraid little children do not be afraid little flock for it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom it's your father's good pleasure to invite you into the life that Jesus has for us. It was God's good pleasure to send Jesus and invite those disciples and all those around 
men and women to follow Jesus around, invite them into a life of seeing the wonders of God, the healing of God, the redemption of God, witnessing and experiencing the forgiveness of God, looking into the eyes of the human face of God. It was the Father's good pleasure to invite them and to invite us into the, his kingdom. Life now and so he says, you don't need the stuff of this world. The stuff of this world is not going to bring you the kingdom. It's not going to bring you what you're looking for. Don't cling to it. Hold it loosely. Sell your possessions. Give alms. Make purses for yourselves. Don't wear out where your treasure is. There your heart will be also. Then he talks about, kind of gives that, that analogy, be ready. Be ready when Jesus comes. And then there's a twist. I love the twist. It fits right in with where we're going with communion. It says, be ready. When Jesus returns, will he see us working for justice? Will he see us working dis to dismantle oppression? Will he see us welcoming the, those who have felt unwelcome? Will he see us doing works of good in the world? Will he see us making a difference? Will people that have never believe that God would love them are they finding themselves embraced in congregations that call themselves Christian will people who would have been actually enemies find themselves under the same tent the same umbrella in the same sanctuary because Jesus is Lord and the, and the light of Christ has entered the building will he find us at work transforming the world when he returns and in that twist it says if he does the master will return and he'll find those workers we we have trouble hearing sometimes because the nrsv says slaves but he find those servants those workers us children even but he'll find those who were assigned a role to work and the master's going to come and put on a robe and, and apron and serve them. Well, isn't that exactly what Jesus did? From the throne of heaven, he who had equality with God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but rather he emptied himself and poured himself out kenosis like poured himself out and became obedient to death even death on a cross jesus who had every privilege every could have presumably could have stayed safe and insulated chose to become soiled and dusty and vulnerable even bloody so that he might walk among us Paying the price for living a life of love that inevitably, inevitably would cross and make angry all worldly powers. So Jesus came. And served his disciples. He serves us. He sat with his disciples on the night that he was betrayed and he took the bread and he broke it. He had been their teacher. He'd been their rabbi. He had been the holy one in their midst and he at the table flipped the tables and broke the bread. 
said, this is my body broken for you. He had calmed the wind and the waves, and he said, this is my body broken for you. Even the power over death, raising Lazarus and the widow's son at Nain, he said, this is my body broken for you. And then he gave them the cup and said, this is the new covenant. This cup is my blood shed for you, that there might be life for you. Jesus flipped the tables, and the one who was the new king in town became the servant who gave his very self so that we might know God's never-ending, unconditional, eternal love for all of us, a love that cannot be contained, cannot be kept to ourselves. And when it is, well, God sends some prophets to rattle the cage because this love, this meal, oh, it's for you, it's for us. But it's for everyone. Let's pray. Loving God, in this moment, we come before you and asking that by your Holy Spirit you would consecrate these elements of communion by your touch, that they become more than we can understand. More than bread, more than the fruit of the vine, more than a ritual but by the mysterious, supernatural touch of your Holy Spirit that we encounter the very person of Jesus through the bread and through the cup. Prepare our hearts now to receive more than we can understand. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to the First Baptist Church podcast. We invite you to worship with us every Sunday morning at 9.30 in Ottawa, Kansas. You can find more information about our church at www.fbcottawa.org.